the number one goal is trust because they're about to give you money for a product and there's no way for them to verify that you're legit besides the website. Welcome to Honest E-Commerce, where we're dedicated to cutting through the BS and finding actionable advice for online store owners. I'm your host, Chase Clymer. And I believe running an online business does not have to be complicated or a guessing game. If you're struggling with scaling your sales, Electric Eye is here to help. To apply to work with us, visit electriceye.io slash connect to learn more. Now let's get on with the show. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Honest Ecommerce. Today, I'm bringing to the show an amazing founder. He's got some cool products in the Shopify ecosystem. He is helping run an awesome, amazing agency that I actually look up to. Uh, so there you go. Nice compliment right off the bat, Xavier. Uh, Xavier, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Doing well. Thanks for the invite, Chase. Oh, yeah. It took us a while. We had a little bit of rescheduling, but you know that's, that's what you got to do when houses decide to break. So uh, here we are. Finally got it done. Or just a pandemic, right? I, I, me holding up in in the in a small village in Spain isn't conducive to doing high quality podcasts. So I know appreciate you uh, rescheduling with me. No worries, no worries. Awesome. So before we kind of get into what you guys do at the agency and kind of the products that you have, let's just talk quickly about your history. Uh, let people know why they should listen to you. What have you been up to? How'd you kind of? What's your story? Absolutely. So uh, we started this e-commerce agency sort of by accident. We were right out of college, my co-founder and I, um, and we had stumbled upon a product, uh, which you know now is, is sort of some terrible connotations. But it's uh, it was an e-cigarette product back then in 2011. Um, we got involved with the with the company really quickly. Just sort of drove down to a warehouse in New Jersey. Thought it was going to be some big operation. Turned out to be just two guys importing this new product. Um, and we thought that this was going to take over the world. So we decided that we were going to do everything from market, sell it, build a website. Uh, we did that in, in New York City predominantly. So we were doing everything from selling it hand to hand on street fairs to going at night to marketing it at fashion shows and nightclubs to spending the wee hours of the morning building a Volusion e-commerce store uh, that grew to seven figures. Um, ultimately, that company uh, had an exit and we started moving laterally. So we started figuring out, hey, we know how to build e-commerce stores now. Uh, so let's start doing this for other merchants. Uh, and over the years, um, we, we've been really focused on that. Now we are sort of half e-commerce agency, half product studio. So the difference being the agency offers high-touch, one-off or retainer services on, in the redesign and technology space for brands. The product studio is focused on apps and other services that um, that happen on a on a monthly basis. Awesome. And then, I, as I said earlier, I'm jealous because he, Xavier's always tweeting these insane turnaround times on these big projects that I'm just so jealous of. But you know, that just comes with the the territory. Uh, you get more efficient over time. Absolutely, it took a long time to get there, um, but eventually, you you sort of get good at the repeatability of things, and you try and make sure that your your projects fit exactly in your your wheelhouses and then yeah you can get really fast turnaround times. Absolutely. I, I believe the one I saw the other day was like 63 days for a migration from Magento to Shopify Plus. Uh, I think it was less than 60 actually and it was a it was a hard hard deadline, right? So Magento contracts run out, there's kind of an end of life situation going on, so mm -hmm. uh, there was if we don't launch by this date, 
we are going to have to pay for another 12 months of a platform that we are not going to use. So the sprint was on. I'm really happy with how everyone, both on their on client side and our side, was able to come together and make it happen. Yeah, I'm sure there was a lot of... Well, I mean, I, mean, I won't make any assumptions. And I don't know how much you can share here. But I'm sure that uh, the scope of work was like very prioritized. And it's like, these are the things that have to happen. These are the things we wish that can happen. And these are the things that may happen. <laughs> Sometimes a, a hard deadline like that actually helps everyone in a project really ruthlessly prioritize what's critical. I will say one thing that helped was that we didn't go through a typical redesign. We were like hyper-focused on okay, let's take what you have and get it over to Shopify and maybe make some small UX updates based on sort of obvious best practices. But let's not go through a large process here. Let's ruthlessly prioritize that. Uh, and then obviously, you have two tracks there. You have the theme and then you have your product migration, which is always going to be the part that you need to redo two or three times because the data is not going to come over correctly. So oh, yeah. I was was really happy with that. I mean, let's just dive down that real quick. Uh, you know... Migrations are the most <laughs> difficult like type of project because of the data. And I think that um, a lot of merchants don't realize that. And they kind of just assume that the migration part is like piece and parcel to the project. And like it's just... You have to do it. But it's like... That's where everything screws up. That is the meat and potatoes of any, of, of any migration product. Is The project is the data itself. Especially when you're dealing with a platform like Magento, where people have customized it mm -hmm. to fit whatever data structure either the engineers thought was useful, the business thought was useful. And then you're coming into a system like Shopify, which is very much a walled garden, very restrictive, very specific about how product data needs to live inside of a inside of the platform. And so you just you take time to figure out how to make that how to massage the the data. And of course, it, you know, we try and start with a few, let's say small imports yep. that, you know, let's let's take 10 or 20 products, see how that goes. It never goes well the very first time. I wish I could say that we we nailed it, but uh, it always takes a couple of rounds there and then eventually you you can do the full the full uh, the full data migration um, but but yeah that, that that's really where you need to focus your energy and effort and we have a specific person um, on our team that sort of their job is to day one get access to every sort of API and and database that we need to to be able to make that happen yeah it's it's hilarious uh, especially when you start looking at how things are displayed when you do that first migration you're like this is unshoppable and un you can't understand what's going on here like we got to try this again yeah yeah this is uh, this doesn't make any sense why is the price in the product title yeah uh, yeah <laughs> problem so uh, so yeah I, it's funny because people do assume like oh like these things happen all the time like there's so much marketing out there by Shopify and other agencies or service providers that are like oh we'll migrate you off your old platform and they think it's like a pretty plug and play scenario and it's usually never true um, getting that data over is super difficult and especially if you actually have a legacy brand or something where you got a lot of information you need those customer records for marketing for returns for you know, probably legal reasons sometimes to like make sure that you have a track record of selling that product. Absolutely. Uh, to your point about returns, that's probably one of the most critical parts, right? As you do, if someone, if you have a return policy of 60 to 90 days and you're doing a migration and you don't have that order data, you don't have that customer record matched up, you could find yourself in a, in a world of hurt, actually. Oh, man. You know what else is a world of hurt is migrating gift cards. I can, well, never done that actually. Oh, we're doing it right now. It is the biggest 
pain. Uh, I can talk to you about it offline with a little more specifics. Um, but there's another thing with uh, with migrations that people often overlook. It's like a feature match. Um, usually, whatever you have on your old website, if you're like actually doing some business there, you know, out of the box, Shopify just sells things. It doesn't have like these crazy features. It's kind of it's one of the downsides. Like, like some people view it as a downside. You know, like every feature you need is either an app or like a custom thing where it's a little more open source with you know Magento or, or WordPress where you can usually find a solution and then you can tool it to make it work for you. Whereas in Shopify, it's either you're going fully custom or you're using something off the shelf. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, when you end up doing that, you you have to find tricky ways to get around some of those feature sets. And frankly, we try and avoid app bloat. I think that's something that a lot of merchants are sold and told, both from agencies and from Shopify itself. There's an app for that sort of approach. Yeah, and, and there are there 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 are plenty of apps out there. I think there are apps for everything. Yes, exactly, multiple uh, uh, for each each function or feature that you're looking for. But I think the challenge becomes your site gets so slow, uh, and also they just compete with each other in different ways, mm-hmm. and ultimately the customer experience gets a little wonky when there's. A pop-up, a an overlay, a a new section loading every time you're going across the page. So what we try and do is make sure that there's uh, there's some smart theme customizations. Yeah, and I think a lot of merchants can do that if they find the right you know, freelancer or agency partner who can say, okay, here's an app. Here's how we would build this cost benefit associated with that, um, which goes beyond just the monthly price, but also into long-term um, scalability and speed and all the other things that affect sales. Yeah, there's a few apps that I see on a lot of stores, like the free shipping bar. You can get that custom coded onto your theme. You can Google it and do it yourself usually. If you are any sort of technical... Set, you can figure out how to do the free shipping bar yourself as like a, a feature that... And then you don't have to pay for it. If you're paying for a free shipping bar, like that's just insane. But it, it's wild because that feature has a JavaScript call to like produce that, which is just that's slowing your site down for a it doesn't need to do that. That that's my favorite one. But that's sort of the first one that I look at. Are you using a free shipping bar app? Yeah. Immediately need to need to kill that. And yeah, it, it's it's and you can even do more if you custom code it for less than you, you would pay over the course of six months for one of these free shipping bar apps. Uh if you if you code it yourself. Yeah. Um so definitely a first one. My favorite is when I went getting in there and I'm checking stuff out and they've got like four apps that do the same thing, but like two of them are expired. People aren't auditing their apps ever. And I've seen people paying for apps they're not using for a long time. Oh, I can tell you that it happens now that we're in the app space. I can tell you that it happens regularly. There are merchants who either... Again, it's, it's it's either it's neglect or forgetfulness, uh, and they're not using the the app, and they're getting charged for it. I see it all of the time. And when you're looking at it, the problem with removing apps, also is that they the code doesn't always leave when you delete the app. So you you actually do need to go back into your theme, yeah, and also do the hard work of saying, okay, where did it inject some liquid? Where did it inject some code to make sure that it's actually gone? You're actually seeing the speed improvements. So it's uh, it, it, it's an involved process. Yeah, um, from my knowledge, uh, the second you click uninstall, that app loses like the ability to communicate with your store, so they actually can't remove their code. Um, but the way to do it correctly is it's a little cumbersome, and I our project manager does this all the time. It's just reach out to support and be like, remove your own code before I uninstall this, and they'll do it. 
Yep, that's exactly right. That that is the process. Let's be honest today, all of your customers are going to have questions. And what are you doing to manage all those questions? Do you have a help desk for your business? One of our sponsors of today's episode is Gorgeous. And Gorgeous is the number one rated help desk for e-commerce. It integrates seamlessly with Shopify. We have installed it on a bunch of stores. It's also used by brands like Movement and Rockies. And what it does is it takes all of your customer insights and information, brings it into one amazing dashboard so you can solve their problem as quickly as possible. If you want to give Gorgeous a try, visit gorgeous.link slash honest. That's G-O-R... G-I-A-S dot L-I-N-K slash H-O-N-E-S-T to get your second month free. What are some other like common... I don't want to call them mistakes, but like common just like uh, goofiness, I guess, when you're starting to work with a new uh, a new merchant uh, that you see kind of oftentimes, which is, you know, it's an easy thing to kind of correct. Like what are some of the easy wins that you guys often see out there when you're bringing on new clients? Uh, I would say we we always start with a, with a UX audit. Mm-hmm. So we, we try and just go off of a lot of the best practices that are out there. I think there's a sort of obsession with uh, overlays and pop-ups and things that they think are going to capture their email or, or capture a data point. And to be clear, it's extremely important to, to get that marketing message. But I think if you take a little bit more time to be creative about how you're going to get that customer uh, data point, then I think you'll start to get a lot more value out of that customer. Um, and instead of focusing on simply a pop-up with that standard save 10% or the wheel, uh, you know, the wheel of fortune thing that comes out that... I'm 100,000% against the wheel. I hate the wheel. <laughs> yeah, it, well, funny thing about the wheel is it when it first came out, it was like a, it was like a superpower. Um, it, it was... People loved it. People were clicking on it. I had merchants getting 30% of all of their web traffic was, was clicking on the wheel and, and putting their email in. So it was, it was absolutely incredible. But ultimately now it's, it's pretty clear that people are weary of that. It's obviously a sort of dark UX tactic for, for gamification of getting people's emails. And I think if you take the time to think about how to deliver value for customers, they'll give you their contact information and it'll be a lot more of a reciprocal relationship. The email list will be robust. They'll be interested in it. Uh, and we see people do that through things like fit quizzes mm-hmm. uh, or, or sort of qualification quizzes for, for different products, for product recommendation. Um, and then what happens is people are like, they want to do this. They want to learn more about your brand. And once you have that piece of information, you've set context around the communication uh, instead of just... Hey, we're gonna spam you uh, for for the next uh, for the next twelve months with all sorts of offers and deals. Yeah, I'm not the the free shipping, uh, not free shipping, but the free stuff wheel. Like, uh, it just is so gimmicky these days, and I don't think that any it. I think it almost lowers the trust of a website these days. And there's a lot of that stuff that I see out there in the ecosystem. You know the. Um, I see a lot of people cheating and saying like four people just added this to the cart, but it's just like a random number generator or like, you know, only two left in stock. And then like, that's an obvious lie. I've seen one. I even saw this the other day. I saw a website that said negative 500 left in stock, but like you could still buy it. (laughs) Yeah, that's a, that's a problem. I think the, the dark tactics like that are, 
they assume that customers are not involved or, or sort of really dumb. And I think it's the complete opposite. I think people see through that and smell a fake or, or wrong tactic pretty immediately. And I, I think that your, your point about trust is so key. I think when you have a Shopify store and you have a brand and you have products and you're new and no one's heard of you, the number one goal is trust because they're about to give you money for a product and there's no way for them to verify that you're legit besides the website. Mm -hmm. And I think everything you can do to create trust is really important. I'm also on that note, I'm pretty wary of just product reviews in general on websites. I know like UGC is different, but product reviews, merchants can, can curate those. They, uh, and they do. And so ultimately the trust that you get from that, I think has, has diminished a bit over time. I think the UGC on the other hand, if you can start bringing people's posts from social platforms about your brand on your website. I think that's extremely powerful. I think the authenticity shines through. Uh, but with with reviews, uh, that's another place where I think um, there's a lot of people doing some some trickery there uh, that that uh, I think is a bit disingenuous. Yeah, I just it, it comes down to this thing like it, it takes hard work and there's no like silver bullet and all these crazy conversion apps out there like. I would love to see someone do a really big in-depth study on that and see like, you know, do these really move the needle or not? And it kind of it's an amazing segue into kind of like what we're doing lately that we're really happy about and it segues right into order bumps. So I'm kind of going to get into so like all these like conversion tactics uh kind of come down to like how can I uh position the offer better uh to, you know, increase the sale either through like a increase in average order value or like, you know, doing some sort of bogo deal and We've been doing this a lot lately for uh, in custom builds, and it there is no one size fits all, and it's all like you got to think about the strategy behind it because it comes down to like what are you what product are you selling? You know what I mean? Like if you're selling T-shirts, you know buy two get one free. Okay, that makes sense. But if you're selling like weight benches, I only need one of those. You know what I mean? So like it's not the same thing. So like a lot of the upsell apps that exist out there. Uh, usually fail because it comes down to like you got to think about the strategy beforehand. Uh, so I guess not to like say your upsell app doesn't work, but let's talk about how order bump works in the ecosystem. And then I'm assuming you're going to agree with me on it. It definitely re- revolves more around strategy than what it does. Absolutely, I think strategy is the most important part when you're coming up with all of these all of these upsell opportunities, and you can think about it every part of the funnel. Upsell, cross-sell, downsell, you know, it's just all that stuff. Yeah, cross-sell. The thing with cross-sell and upsell too, but just a quick semantic thing that's funny. I, you know, I, I know that cross-sell is the real term when you're selling a complimentary product, but unfortunately, upsell just sounds so much better. And so I'm, I'm always getting ribbed a little bit for, for using the wrong term internally, but it, it, it's just, it's not going anywhere. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Clavio. Clavio knows modern e-commerce is moving fast. Between email, mobile, and web, it can be hard to keep up with consumers and personalize their experience with your brand. Think of Clavio as a central command center for all your digital marketing needs. With email marketing, dynamic website content, social retargeting, SMS automation, and more, you'll take back control of the customer experience and own your business growth. 
That's why it's trusted by over 30,000 brands like Casemate, Kapari, and Brook Linen. Ready to find out how Clavio can help your business grow? Visit Clavio.com to schedule a demo. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O.com. Um, so I, I like to think about everyone's... Think about upsell or cross-sell opportunities across the customer funnel. So what are they doing on the product detail page? What type of upsell even makes sense to do there? Uh, at the cart level, they're showing a different type of intent to purchase. What are what are we showing there? And then at checkout, they've essentially committed to buy something. How and what should we show them uh, at that step? And I really designed order bump around retail psychology. So the thought is, if I get to the checkout counter, and you, you've done this at every store you've been to, you'll find really typically lower priced, simple, easy to understand products that are available to add additionally to your, uh, to your purchase. Right. Mm -hmm. And so instead of you're not offering people, if you have a t-shirt and you go to checkout, they're not necessarily going to show you another t-shirt there because you've probably been browsing for that around the website uh, or, or around the store rather and I, I need to care. I need to think about the design, think about the fit. Maybe I need to try it on and I will have lost the person. So the idea is what do you show and what do you show at the right time? And so for working backwards at checkout, I think you take really simple products, things that people understand and it's a low price point. It's not going to sort of, sort of materially change the amount of money that they're going to spend. And you show them that uh, at that point. Um, I think the cart is much more similar to being in line at a at a department store where there are sort of more interesting products that you can sit with, maybe look at a bit more because you have more time with the product. Mm -hmm. And so translating that to an online store experience, I think you can you can offer people uh, more advanced products that you can merchandise better with copy and images. Um, and so I think there are just really smart ways to think about how upsells, uh, what upsells to offer when, and that will really improve the performance of the apps, uh, of the upsell apps across any part of the funnel. Yeah. And then I think it's just something people need to realize is like increasing the sale by an average of like $2 is like going to drastically change your business. You know, it's, it's not like you're doubling the average order value here. It's just kind of, I don't know. I, I bet you have a, a, a better, idea around the kind of the math behind it but it's it's like you're not making insane improvements but because it's compounding it's like it changes the business exactly correct it's compounding it's also moving products that are dead inventory in a lot of cases i mean dead is maybe a strong term but if your product is selling t-shirts you have accessories that are like i don't know a tote bag or a cleaner or something like that you're not going to your facebook ads aren't going to be sell, uh, marketing to those all of your brand work is not going to be positioned around selling your accessory products but you still offer them and because you offer them you need to sell them you probably have inventory somewhere and so you need to find the right places to show that because people aren't checking your website for your accessories and so that's really where I think the the kind of match between um, uh, between upsell opportunities comes in. And from a numbers standpoint, uh, those products are typically much less right than than your main product offering. I will say there are some outliers that we've seen with Order Bump 
that just don't make any sense where, yeah. uh, particularly with food brands, for whatever reason, it's, it's like people throw right more, like if they, if you show them more food at checkout, they're like, yeah, please, I'm ready. Um, and we're seeing some folks who actually have a, a upsell in checkout that costs more than their typical average cart value. And people are, are adding it at like a 15 to 16% rate. It's pretty incredible. Um, but uh, so I think there's some irrationality that comes with food. But for the most part, I, I think you want a complimentary product that fits with what the main offering is. Absolutely. I think that uh, I would love to see if the, those numbers consist throughout the pandemic. I know right now people are kind of in this this uh, hoarding mentality, uh, I guess, for lack of a better term. Uh, you know, you like it's like hard to buy deep freezers right now and and refrigerators. There's like they're like out of stock. Oh, completely out of stock. Another sort of random thing that's that's out of stock are, are roller skates. You, you you literally can't get your hands on side by side four wheel roller skates. They're it's like six to eight weeks out for like all of the top brands. That's wild. Yeah, the behavior is getting it's getting pretty crazy. Uh, obviously, all the workout gear too and trampolines. Really? Yeah, trampolines are are hard to find right now. I talked with a prospect the other day about it, and they're like, "Yeah, like we did so much business during this because people were staying home and wanted to have fun in their backyard." So I'm assuming a lot of home goods are having a fantastic time right now. Uh, yeah, absolutely. That CPG brands that are selling uh, food products as well. Uh, I think fashion's having having the toughest time, but but trampolines is is that kind of jives with what I think our, a lot of parents are going through right now, which is you know we need to get some activity for our kids that isn't staring at Zoom. So yeah, the uh, the trampoline idea of being able to put your kid outside doing something active for a little while, I think is going to be a winner. Uh, and I can imagine that that was a, a hot ticket item um, uh, during this time period. Oh yeah, absolutely. Want to get each new episode of Honesty Commerce sent straight to your phone? Join our VIP texting list for updates on new episodes and exclusive deals from our partners. Text Honest VIP, that's H O N E S T VIP, to 72599 to join. By the way, we're powering our text messages with PostScript, the number one text message marketing app for Shopify stores. Check out the show notes for a link to install PostScript for free today. Um, before we go here, uh, you wrote an awesome piece the other day about kind of the value proposition behind Shopify Plus uh, and when it when it makes sense, which I think is a question that is on every merchant's mind as they approach that million dollar mark to really understand like is this worth the jump because it is a very pricey investment. Uh, it's something that to consider and, and uh, it, it's twenty four thousand dollars a year minimum, so it's like you gotta you gotta really think about it. So I guess I'll let you kind of explain your position on it. And we can kind of dive into that real quick here before we kind of end the show. Absolutely. So the as someone who built a business around Shopify Plus, I have a, a ton of reasons to love it. And I think after having used it for a long period of time, it's become crystal clear what the real power of it is and for which merchants that it it can really make a, a huge difference. And I think for a lot of merchants, they go into it, they talk to the Shopify rep, uh, they're told they can use really two main different things, Shopify scripts and Shopify flow, both of which are not, uh, both of which sort of require a different skill set, a little bit of heavy lifting there. So it's not something that's going to immediately impact their, uh, th their bottom line. 
Uh, and in fact, they may have to invest more. You got to invest in a technical know-how to utilize those things, which is something that I, oftentimes people are overlooking. Absolutely. And so they see that and they get a little frustrated because it's like, okay, so so why do I need to spend essentially up to 300% more for a platform when I don't feel that Shopify advanced or whatever pl- uh, plan you're on is really holding me back? I, I, that's not really the bottleneck in my business, right? I can take that money, spend it towards something else. Uh, and so really the, the, the meat and potatoes of that post was around what what types of merchants really do benefit from this there's an obvious mathematical point at which if you're making 800k a month then sort of the math on the credit card rates nets out to about the difference but the the overwhelming majority of merchants are not at that point yet mm-hmm. and so if you're not at that point there's really a a decision around what how much do you think something like a a bogo or a bundle or a, a sort of smart free shipping threshold uh, offer is a promotion is going to move the needle on your website. And really there, that's when you can start to make some calculations. If we can lift our average order value by offering a compelling bundle discount, is that going to cover the cost difference? Which ultimately leads to why we built Order Bump, which is because of the, uh, the, fu- the sheer functionality, which is that we can offer a widget at checkout. Um, you're only able to do that if you're on Shopify Plus, the, the, the sort of the, the sort of linchpin there. Um, and so, because you're only you'll, you can only do this on Shopify Plus, the widget is only available uh, in checkout. And so, if our widget can cover the cost difference between your your t- your advanced plan and uh, the Plus plan, which is like around seventeen hundred dollars a month. We think that this is an actual ROI-based, revenue-based reason to upgrade from Shopify Advanced to Plus. Uh, And to help merchants who are listening think about this a bit more, the way you want to think about your upsell opportunity and the potential revenue you can drive from that is really based on your monthly order volume. It's purely a numbers game. Mm -hmm. Uh, So what, what, how many monthly orders are you getting? If it's 500, you're probably not there yet. If it's a thousand, if it's 2,000, uh, you're getting there. Uh, and if you're, you know, anywhere between two and three thousand, you can start to think about anywhere between five and fifteen percent of all of those orders are going to add a, a checkout upsell uh, or, or even a card upsell. I'm not. This is just beyond just our app, but I think in general, that's probably the the, the range that you can uh, you can expect. And so if you model that. Five on the low end, fifty percent on the high end. Figure out which products you think you would offer at that point. You can start to come up with the financial strategy to say, okay, if I upgrade to plus, here's actually a way for us to generate that money that that spend back uh, through sales. Oh yeah. So that that's sort of how we how we see it, and 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 that's where uh, where the post kind of ends up uh, in a too long didn't read kind of style. Absolutely. I mean, it, it's. E-commerce comes down to three numbers, and it's why I kind of like it: traffic, average order value, and conversion rate. And effort in on any of those is going to create compounded profit, essentially on the other end. Uh, and you know, essentially, what these upsells or cross sells, you know, post-purchase upsells, you know, there's there's all sorts of terminology out there. But essentially, it all comes down to like upsells. The strategy and effort behind that, and doing it in a in a way that doesn't look clunky and is on brand. That's like key here is people like to clunk it together with some 
more cheaper or free solutions out there that don't really do it. They don't push the needle, so they don't believe in it anymore. You know, doing this the right way is really going to have some significant results on kind of just your top line at the end of the day. Clunky upsells hurt more than they help because they distract the customer. And if they're uninterested in it, then they'll bounce. Exactly. It comes down to user experience. And if it's clunky, it takes me out of the experience. And I'm like, wait, this is... I'm getting sold right now. I don't like this. Yeah. And and, and any customer can tell that. I think what, what I often see with upsell widgets or apps that I think a lot of them uh, sort of miss is the merchandising part. You, you, you got to sell the product, right? A lot of these apps just say product title, price, discount, add to cart. But but why? Why should I add this to my cart? I've already been on your website. I've been looking around. I like this product. I don't necessarily like that product. Is it complimentary? Tell me why. Is it is it does it have special things that I sort of didn't think about when I was first looking around the site, maybe browsing? Uh, I, I need to know those things. And I just think the concept of UX and merchandising and selling products is where a lot of these upsell apps are hyper focused on the functionality and not on the UX. And so when looking for one or when designing or building a custom one, the ability to, to, to describe what the product is, why it's important that, it's, that it goes with your existing product, I think is the key to sort of making that actually sing when, you, when you're actually uh, putting it live on your store. Absolutely. Before we go here, um, I've been trying to do this a lot lately. Is I've been falling like going down the rabbit hole, clicking on a bunch of YouTube ads, not YouTube, sorry, uh, Instagram ads, and I've been like getting upsold on purpose to kind of just see what people are doing. And one of my favorite lately's is ASOS. They do it beautifully. Um, but if you like, if you want to make a suggestion to listeners, are there any other websites that you know you think are doing this the right way that they should check out? ASOS is a is just a study on really solid e-commerce design. Hey man, they sold me a pair of shoes when I wanted a t-shirt the other day. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> it's really an incredible experience. I think they also, not that long ago, started playing with AI-based product photos. So fit is so key. And so they decided to take uh, well, do some AI program, generate 10 different versions of a model of different types of models wearing the same products, you can see the fit across all these different body types. Yeah, well, they, yeah, because they, they they asked in depth questions about my fit to help me as like with a fit study, and you know that guy kind of looks like me. Hundred percent. I mean, that's the number one objection if you're selling clothes, right? Is like, is it going to fit? So everything you can do in your power to focus around it, mitigating that objection is key. So you you mentioned a really good one, ASOS. I also think that if you look at travel websites, so this is not, you know, this is kind of stealing from another industry, so to speak, but it's still e commerce. Yeah, they do it so well. Yeah, I mean, booking.com or Expedia are just so incredibly persuasive and so incredibly smart about how they're offering the bundles. The the upsells, you know, rent a car with your, um, you know, with your, uh, with your flight, uh, and and in addition, they, you know, all the way down the funnel, they're they're sort of like peppering you with the offers, giving it to you in different ways. So sometimes it's like a small widget, sometimes it's a really expansive one, sometimes it's a, it's a modal overlay, uh, and then it kind of ends with this. Probably what has materially changed all of those travel accommodation businesses and generated a, a shitload of profit 
is this insurance widget. Oh yeah. Which just, I mean, it gets me, it gets, I've never used it. And every time I've ever traveled, I'm, I'm typically doing that. And they're doing, you know, a bunch of different tactics. If you really study that widget, whether it's sort of like opt in, opt out stuff where it, where it says, you know, I'll protect my $500 trip or no, I'll risk it. Like just these little words that just make you think, you know, two, three, four, five times before clicking the checkout button without adding insurance. And so I would say really looking at those websites is a place where uh, you'll see just some of the best practices uh, being used and, and you can learn a lot. Yeah. And I think that got me thinking the cool thing about the people that are doing these upsells the right way is it doesn't end after the cart. There's post-purchase as well. And then 9 times out of 10, I'm going to get another email with another offer like almost immediately after like or maybe it's in with my in with my like confirmation. It's like cool, you bought this thing, but we can add this to your cart still if you want. You can say no all you want and they're going to keep trying and it's just like why not? Why not? Yeah. And and you know that that sort of final touch point of email after and people use all these different strategies with it, right? I mean, there's there's sort of a time-based one. Hey, you know, add this to your order now because the box hasn't been packed and shipped yet. And so, you know, we can pass on our you know, shipping costs as a discount to you on this product. And so yeah, that that sort of post-purchase experience I think is one that uh, that people can also optimize. There's all sorts of checkout apps that do this. You know, a little teaser. We have something coming out in the post-purchase space. I'll say in the next two to three months that I'm super excited about. So yeah, it's clear that that's another place where you can really, really drive average order value. Awesome. So if people are curious about what you guys do over there at the Van Group, or if they want some more information about Order Bump, where should they go? What should they do? Uh, agency is vangroup.com. V double A N group.com. Uh, and then for the app, it's orderbump.io. Uh, we have every sort of we have case studies on there. We have descriptions of how it works. We even have a link to the contest. So I think a lot of people on here might be interested in that. If you're not quite on plus yet, um, but you're thinking, okay, I'm I'm doing you know 1,500 to 2,000, maybe more orders per month. Um, we have a program where uh, if you apply, you tell us your order volume, your website, we'll have a look. Based on all of the data points that we have with with a couple hundred order bump merchants, we've become pretty good at at telling how much just generally we think you're going to be able to to sell using our widget. And we believe in our product so much that if you meet that criteria, uh, we will guarantee to cover the cost of your plus upgrade. And if we don't, if you don't make that seventeen hundred dollar per month difference over the course of the year, we will write you a check. For the difference between the two to essentially make the upgrade risk-free for you know to use sort of a, a cliche term awesome xavier thank you so much for coming on the podcast today really appreciate it chase good chatting with you i cannot thank our guests enough for coming on the show and sharing their journey and knowledge with us today we've got a lot to think about and potentially add into our businesses links and more information will be available in the show notes as well if anything in this podcast resonated with you and your business, feel free to reach out and learn more at electriceye.io slash connect. Also, make sure you subscribe and leave an amazing review. Thank you.